Chief Miller is dedicated to featuring the men and women of the fire service from around the world. Chief Miller has a family of content creators who feature great people doing great things, making the fire service a better place. Make sure to follow along as Chief Miller creates, shares, collaborates, and features the special people who call themselves firefighters. Follow along on Instagram at Chief underscore Miller. Find him on Twitter at Chief underscore Miller underscore. Like him on Facebook at Chief underscore Miller number one. And watch for all the podcasts featured within the Chief Miller media family. Make sure to check out ChiefMillerApparel.com for all your fire service apparel needs. Hey guys, I want to take a second and brag about my friends Peter and Nikki at Axe Caps. If you've never seen their apparel line before, well, you really need to go to axecaps.com and check them out. They've done wonders representing my brand, the Can Man, as well as various other brands such as Squirrel and Straight Jacket and Fire and Iron Fitness. If you're looking for quality custom apparel, from embroidery to screen printing, they even do direct-to-garment printing, go check out axecaps.com today and Peter and Nikki will be sure to take care of you. Are you in the market for a new gear bag, possibly a new radio strap? We'll look no further than Sergeant Firebags. That's sgtfirebags.com. It's firefighter owned and operated. Ian Sargent is proudly putting together some great equipment out there that's helping reduce our exposure to the carcinogens we face every day with washable straps and gear bags. Go check them out. That's sgtfirebags.com. Use the code CANMAN for 10% off. Are you looking up your game in the world of education and USAR training? Well, look no further than my friends at National Rescue Consultants. With over 15 years of USAR education in all disciplines, National Rescue Consultants put together a program for your department to ensure that you get the best level training preparing you guys for USAR response wherever it may occur in your community. Go check out my friend Herb and his company, NationalRescueConsultants.com today. Hey, canners, it's time for 30 minutes of unadulterated and uncensored shenanigans. Get ready to call HR because you're going to need sensitivity training after this. Gear up because it's going to hurt worse than RIT training in July. Welcome to the Can Man Radio Show with your host, Jason Liska. And yet again, we're back for another great episode of the Can Man Radio Show. And I'm going to throw a shameless plug for my father today because we're sitting at his Froyo shop in Deland, Florida, the good old Sweet Lake. So if you ever come down to Deland and you want to check it out, some quality Froyo and great mustache with conversation, come on down here to Deland. You'll see him on the north side of town. Today, though, we have a really special episode. I'm sitting across from a man who most people say... Probably a legend up and coming in the fire service. Someone who's come. I say a legend, but let, we'll get there. And, and I say that because it's true. No. <laughs> this is someone who I, I do admire a lot. And, and I've come to watch over the last couple of years through mutual friends really evolve as a firefighter, as a leader. Uh, he's done a lot of incredible things. He's risen from the ashes in some aspects. And that is the great <laughs> Nate Karn. 
So welcome to the show today, Nate. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm glad to have you, man. It's been. I a, thought we were going to get some Froyo while we did this. Well, we can. Hey, we that, can that's, would you want to go get Froyo? We'll nah, stop nah, the episode. Nah. Maybe no. later. Maybe okay. Later. So we'll do Froyo after the episode. So <laughs> you know, there's there's a reason why we're sitting here today. We've had a lot of great episodes. We've talked about mental health and wellness. We've talked about our resiliency, how we need to improve. We've talked about leadership and all the different aspects that really fall in line together. And, and today we're sitting here. And, you know, my friend Nate, he sends me this awesome introduction. He goes, you know, my name is Nate Carr, but most people already know that. I was born in Daytona and grew up in Ormond. So here I am thinking, looking at you now, you probably spent time at the beach, did you not? Yeah, quite. Did you surf? No, actually I'm not. I'm what? That fucking boogie board, man. Fake I, news. I never really, uh, never Fake really could news. surf. No. Fucking boogie board, man. That's where it's at. So you uh, you came up kind of as a child of the fire service in a way. You you had a stepfather who was an engineer in Daytona uh, when he married your mom, yep. and that was really your first exposure, I'm guessing, to the fire service as you know it. So let's talk a little bit about the humble beginnings of Nate Carn. <laughs> uh, what, in life or in the fire service? Well, let's just talk about growing up. Let's talk about Nate the Renegade growing up, the boogie, boater, the boogie boarder Nate. Because, you know, when you, when you said you didn't think anybody was going to give you a fucking shot at becoming a firefighter when you were a young man, you know, what, what led you to that point? What made you realize as a young man that you wanted to get into the service? You know, obviously, like you mentioned, uh, my stepfather, I, I believe that he, my mom and him met when I was about... 12 years old yeah and you know I, I was going through a tough time I never uh, I was never a good student I was always bringing home bad grades uh, changing my uh, progress reports and all sorts of shit like oh, that oh wow sounds familiar so uh, you know my, my stepfather used to take me to uh, the firehouse back in old school days at Daytona I used to meet all these guys that were larger than life I remember uh, yeah you know my stepfather uh, John Caper Sr. was one of the mm-hmm. The, the guys I had met who I thought was just, he had this great mustache, uh, he was Italian, had this uh, the taco meat coming out the shirt and everything like that. He was <laughs> Did just, he wear the white beater at work? He, he was just the coolest freaking guy. Man. Yeah. And, and his son, John Jr., became a, a fireman too, retired as a lieutenant at Daytona. But uh-huh. I remember meeting John Capers and that was just, uh, that guy was larger than life and that kind of got me in that process. Yeah. As I got older, I still didn't know what I wanted to do. Uh, my father was in the Navy. I thought about doing that right out of high school. Uh-huh. I didn't really have any direction out of high school. I made my mother completely upset because I, I never uh, qualified for any of those bright future scholarships. <laughs> I, I barely even graduated high school, really. It was like from my freshman year going from like a 3.8 GPA to like barely a 2.0. I just I just didn't have it. I never, never kept my fucking interest. I, I think I was a 1.7 or maybe a fucking 1.9 when I graduated. <laughs> I was like one stone's throw away from failing high school. That's how bad it was. Keep going. Keep going though. I mean, that, that was it. So I got, um, uh, I believe the year I graduated high school, my brother Jason, uh, got hired in DeLand Fire Department. He yeah. went through fire school. His father-in-law, also a Daytona fireman, mm-hmm. um, you know, that, that kind of prompted him. You know, I believe uh, my sister-in-law was pregnant at the time of their first child, and he's like, oh, shit, I got to do something other than uh, run our father's charter boat business. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So he went to fire school, and now he's a lieutenant here in DeLand. And I saw that. I always looked up to my brother, and uh, so I 
It's like, fuck it, I, I guess I'll go to fire school. Right. I, I was actually torn between uh, fire and police. What? I, I don't even know why. I, I don't know. Like a I think my, my other older brother, Aaron, was like, you'd be a good cop. I was like, I don't even know why I'd be a good cop. No. But, you know, so I, I am kind of an asshole, so I guess that makes uh, mm. makes sense. We're all kind of assholes, but that that's not the only qualifier for being a cop. <laughs> don't do that. Don't. No then I, I, I ended up going to uh, going to fire school. Yeah. I uh, met a lot of good guys there. Um Again, yeah, it took me about a year to find a damn job after I graduated. I, yeah, my, my stepfather was still working for uh, Daytona at the time. He was a lieutenant. When uh, was this, by the way? 2004. Okay, so we were still in a decent economy at that point. Yes. Then. So yeah. jobs shouldn't have been that hard to find. So, but he, no one wanted this 18-year-old shithead kid, like, okay. straight out of high school. That kind of, I guess I, I put off that, that, uh presence that I didn't know what I wanted to fucking do or who even knew if the fire service was for me and you know all the guys that taught in my standards class were the land guys mm -hmm. so they're like yeah absolutely not this guy he's uh definitely different than how his brother was and he yeah. already works in the land but uh yeah so I interviewed uh I interviewed at Daytona Beach four different times four times never got hired um I interviewed with the land three times wow Never got hired, uh, so I passed a physical agility test with Volusia County, okay, and ended up working there for um, a year or so, and finally got an opportunity to go interview with Deland, and it was like this is the last time. If I don't get it this time, then number four, you were going to do it. This was the fourth uh, interview with Deland at this point. I, I think it was. Th I think I got hired on the third time. Okay, so it took three times to get hired with Deland. Three total. So three times the charm. And I just wanted to go. Yeah, my brother worked there. I knew a lot of the guys that worked there. A couple yeah. of good buddies from Standards um, uh, had gotten hired there. Okay. So, and they're still there today. So, yeah, I, uh, I did it. Never looked back. And, and yeah, here I am today. Yeah, I'm about to, I think uh, me and nine other guys, or seven guys now, uh, we're about to hit 13 years Golly. in April. So that's awesome. You know, Deland, if most people don't realize, that's a department deeply rooted in tradition. Uh, this is not a, a young town, not a young community, and the fire department's pretty old in its own way. And it's got a lot of great components that have really built up the leadership and the mindset of Deland. And one of those components we talked about earlier was uh, the smoke diver program, but we'll, we'll get there in just a moment. But I want to talk about the early days of you in the land and, and where, what what really what really brought you to a point because we talked about the fact that there was a, a critical failure there was a, a, a misfire there was something Nate was missing and I, I don't know I want to hear from you what you felt was the the the, the way your career digressed to the point of almost losing it uh, you know it's it's kind of weird how it all plays out from from then to now, especially in Deland. It it almost feels like I I was raised in the fire service a little yeah. bit, and you know it's uh, evolved me quite a bit. Um, I think uh, I was 22 when I got hired with Deland. Okay. And I never wanted to give up my Friday nights. I was still single, going out, doing. It. Still living in Ormond, living with my old man in an in-law suite out back at his house, and uh, didn't have to pay rent, so. I was just spending money, going out, drinking, and I was going to the Rock and Ranch up in Warren. <laughs> you know that was <laughs> shit. Yeah, I, but but you know that was a that was the thing. I still liked the party. Yeah, and all I wanted to do was just go out and and hang out, and party. I was showing up late. Um, 
you know, I showed up late numerous times. Even when I was with the county, I, I would party a lot, and I kept showing up late. Uh, I'd already been suspended a few times in Deland for showing up late. Uh, I think one of the big ones was I just bought my house. I was 23 when I bought my house. I had all the guys over. Uh, helped me do floors, and I called out sick the next day, and one of our guys was getting married or something. He just wanted to go down to New Smyrna and have um, beers that night. Mm -hmm. uh, something happened down in New Smyrna. Uh, tried to break up a fight between a friend and another guy. Uh, police show up. Thought my friend and I were fighting. Thought you were the instigators. Yeah, right. and, yeah, uh, yeah. So it was. <laughs> it was one of those moments where. Uh, I had the right to remain silent, but I didn't have the ability. Oh, and, uh, oh you were whiskey strong. Were you so, not? yeah, I got thrown in the back of a cop car, and I spent the night in a drunk tank down in New Smyrna. Mm -hmm. And obviously with that professional courtesy, thank you, New yeah. Smyrna Beach Police, huh. for calling my chief and telling him what had happened. And I was on sick leave and everything. Yeah. So I got suspended for three or four shifts. Uh, didn't stop there, though. I... Um, Showed up late again, uh, you know, a year later. Uh, I think I got an eight-hour suspension, and I showed up late mm -hmm. on my suspension, and um, that was it. I A couple weeks later, I was sitting in a uh, second floor or third floor of City Hall right in front of the city manager, my uh, chief, John McDaniel, my deputy chief, Mark Harper, and I was signing this paper pretty much saying uh, it was my last chance agreement with the city. Mm -hmm. It's like we've invested in you, and... It's not working out. So that and then something it. changed. Something something had to change at that moment. A flip had a switch had to be flipped in your mind because that's the rock bottom for anyone in their career where they realize yeah, they're was, one uh, foot out the door. It wasn't <laughs> it wasn't the the highest point of my life for sure. But um, I, I'm not sure what changed. Mm -hmm. Like I I can't tell you a, a defining factor. It's just. You know, I, I thank those guys for seeing something in me and keep me on board. And you know, it, it definitely was a struggle over the next couple of years to fly straight, not yeah. fuck up, do anything like that. It's uh, I, I still to this day, my wife probably hates it, but I, I set six different alarms every day, and they go off, you know, every eight minutes or so. But I still do it to this day. Do you want to see my phone? Because I could show you just about the same amount of alarms and. Something about what you just said resonates with me because we had this opportunity to talk about the similarities where we were in our careers at almost the same exact time mm -hmm. in the same timeline. And, you know, I had worked for a department for eight years. I worked for Putnam and then I went to uh, Lake and eight and, uh, you know, there I was this, uh, this asshole full of pride thinking that I knew everything and I was just abusing the job and disrespecting it. And, you know, I, I also had a lot of, you know, comorbidities added to that with, you know, the illnesses in my family. And, you know, it, it was a, it was a hard time and I was just not appreciating the job and making mistakes. And, and it wasn't so much the late, it was the carelessness that helped, I guess, expedite the process of we're going to fucking fire you or you're going to make a decision to do better. Yeah. All right, and this is where you're sitting before an HR representative, the public safety director, and the deputy chief, and you're trying to save your job. And the only way you can do that is to prove to them that you're ready to swallow your pride and fucking step up and do what's right. Because your career in land could have definitely been tanked if you hadn't just come to the realization that had you just appreciated the job and found a small sense of humility, you know, where would you be today if you didn't have land? do you think? 
I don't even know if I'd still be in the fire service. Okay. You know, honestly, that's uh, who knows what would have happened. I could have gotten a sour taste in my mouth and just yeah said fuck it to the fire service altogether. But I think to this day, I'm really fortunate that uh, I tell people all the time, uh, like, man, I got hired and it clicked. I love the fire service. And okay. how many people at 19, 20 years old can say they found something that they're, I wouldn't say I'm good at, but... Uh, you know, something that just clicks with them as a career. Yeah. And here I am just to be, you know, 13 years of DeLand and about 15 years altogether in the fire service. Like, man, I, I'm almost done with my career. As yep. it, or yep. as it seems, you know, with that 20 and out and everything like that. But you, you can't say that, uh, man, it clicked with me. And now I've, I can tell other people my experience. I'm not embarrassed about no, it. No, there's no reason to be embarrassed at all. You know, if, it, if I see anyone kind of doing the same thing, yeah. I think it, I'm the best guy to be able to get them on a different thing. You know, hey, come over to my house. We'll have a couple beers. We'll talk about it. We'll, yeah. You know, who knows? It's but maybe I, maybe I can help people. It's so, called so. mentoring. Okay. <laughs> and and that's, that's the bottom line. And, and, and just like you, you had mentors, whether you realized or not. We talked about your battalion chief, who is one of your good friends. We talked about Mark Harper, who we both know very well through the fire college because we both work for him technically. Yeah, yeah. I've got his kid in Lake County who I'm, I'm trying to groom and, and, and help <laughs> develop a little bit at a time because that kid's full of spunk and potential. But the, the bottom line is if we hadn't had mentors in our life to help show us the way and like with mine and yours, they, they forced accountability on us and held our feet to the fire. And if we hadn't had those people that were willing to take that extra level, we're a high risk investment at this point. We could go either way, right? We could yeah. be paying off in dividends or we could fucking tank. And you were a prime example. And, and I wanna, I'll lump myself in there with humility aside and just say it. We were high-risk investments that paid off in the end because look what we're able to do. It's not about us anymore. It's about what we can do for the next generation. And it was because of those people that may have been in the same position we were or possibly just cared enough to realize the value in you. Okay, And that's what matters. And that's where I feel sometimes leaders fail because we don't recognize the value in the people in front of us and what it takes to cultivate and develop them. Mm -hmm. So... Let's talk about where you went from there. And before Florida, there was Georgia. <laughs> All right. So let's talk about your experience in the Georgia Smoke Divers program. I, uh, you know, I'm fortunate enough to a lot of my, uh, you know, a couple of my best friends. Um, I had talked about this Georgia Smoke Diver program. He yeah. had went through it before. I uh, couldn't say enough about it. Uh, I was like, hell yeah, man. I'm. I'm all about this. I want to do it before I'm 30. I think I was like 26 or 27 years old at the time. Um, so I, I trained. I trained hard. And I went up with another guy who works for South Daytona. And uh, both of us, obviously, we, we ended up not making it. Um, but we went up there. And I trained for about, I'd say, the better part of 10, 11 months to go up there. I started mm -hmm. eating right, eating lean, um, getting myself in the best shape possible. I, yeah, I even stopped... Uh, Drinking beer a month before, and that's a that's, that's a hard shame on you. So, shame on you. So I, I showed up to Georgia. Yeah, uh, got in the class. Um, I love I love the program. I, I was only there for three days, and absolutely loved the program. I thought they they put out a really great product. Even in the three days I'm, I'm there, I still sure. take away so much from what I learned in those three days. Sure. Um, I started talking about you need to take in so many calories a day, five six thousand calories a day. 
and I had come off of eating, you know, a normal 2000, but I was, I was leaning out when I was doing it. So as I get up there, I start eating, you know, fried chicken, mashed potatoes, stuff that my body wasn't used to. Uh, I talked to my good friend who's up there and he's like, yeah, man, you need to go get a cheeseburger, a milkshake, something. You need to put all this shit in you. Like, I was like, okay, man, <laughs> I, I should have listened to my body, but I, you know, I was trying to do the best I can to yeah. succeed in this class. Yeah. And I, I sabotaged myself. I made myself so sick by eating stuff that I hadn't been used to for so long. And uh, like I was telling you beforehand, I, I laid in this bed in a little ball and it took me about 45 minutes to completely straighten out before class. And I look over at my buddy who was, he, he was already done. He actually, uh, uh, his name's Don Howard. He's a battalion chief for South Daytona. He blew out his knee the morning prior and went all day in the smoke diver program with a blown out knee. He oh, was, he was already going home. Yeah. And I looked over at him and I was like, I'm not going, I'm, I'm done, man. You're done. I, You're I looked, I look like shit. I feel like shit. Yeah. I'm not going to be good at all. Um, yeah, I called my buddy and I said, Hey man, I'm done. I'm not making it in. And he tells me, he's like, Hey man, all the instructors are sick. Like at least half of them are sick from something. I don't know what it is, but I'm not going to blame something that made them sick on what I could have done better. Okay. And I, I think I totally sabotaged myself in that. And, um, but everything I did, I don't, I don't have any regrets about going to it. Everything I took away from it was, uh, was a tremendous, um, amount of knowledge. So, and we talked about that. We talked about the fact that that was a moment of failure but a moment of learning as well, all right? So mm -hmm. failing and learning, fail to learn, okay? So instead of just assigning it as a fail to learn process, we're failing, but we're also transitioning to learning. So while you failed, you had to learn. And now that means, what did that, what did that do for you to push you to get to Florida? Um, you know, just, so the Florida program was coming back out. Yeah. Uh, I had seen a flyer for it. I didn't know what it was going to be about. I was like, all right, I went to Georgia. I got a little taste of what that was. Sure. I'm going to go to Florida. And DeLand being one of those uh, departments that they, I, I wouldn't say required it, but they strongly pushed you toward taking the smoke diver program. Well, that was part of the culture yeah. in DeLand yeah. for the longest time. And, and I think me and a few other guys, we saw it and we're like, hell yeah, we want to we want to bring back that culture. I, one of the guys that went with me, his dad was one of the old school guys that went through and um, yeah. we're like, all right, we're going to train. We're going to go back to this. Okay. So we went back to this program and um, we showed up in the morning uh, or that evening, stayed mm -hmm. there the next morning was uh, the entry exam. And <laughs> I, I'll never forget sitting there getting ready to do my sit-ups and wearing my DeLand fire department shirt. And this uh, older gentleman comes up to me and he, he looks at me. I, I had no idea who he was at the time. And I was just sitting there shaking, nervous. And he's like, you from the land? Yes, sir. Uh, you know, the history and, you know, culture of the land. Yes, sir. You know, when it comes to that, uh, the smoke diver program. Yeah. Yep, yep, I know. He goes, good, I got you. And <laughs> proceeds to stand on my feet while I'm getting ready to do my sit-ups. And, you know, the guy turned out to be a, a huge mentor and influence uh, on my career now. Someone I can I can just pick up my phone and text and get feedback from. It was uh, Rick Talbert from yeah, um, from the Panhandle from South Walton and one of the OGs. He is just a wealth of knowledge and uh, 
you know, even better individual. Yeah. Like the, the guy's awesome. I've had the, the ability to teach at the college. Uh, we both teach at the college. I teach on the, the didactic side. You're out there teaching smoke divers. You're doing the standard side as mm -hmm. well. And, you know, Rick will come in and he'll teach FO3, FO4 programs. And I've had the privilege of sitting with him and listening to him and talking to him. And he's a fascinating human being. I mean, he's done a lot with his career. If you look at the man, He's as humble as the day is long. And that is something that has always resonated with me about Florida Smoke Divers. Some of my greatest friends, leaders, mentors, Tom Deputy, Jack Philman, even Scott Chapel, someone who I admire and respect greatly in this community of firefighting, they all came from that program. Yeah, and Scott, Scott all, was in my class. Yeah, so, yeah. But, and, uh, yeah, it was... Um, yeah, a lot, a lot of good people, man. The guys that really put that program back on, um, you know, Chad Belger, uh, I can't say enough about him and, and getting this uh, program back going again. You know, he, he's, uh, again, another mentor, another person to reach out and just full of knowledge. And, you know, that guy's, he, he's awesome as well. Him, Don Campbell, it's, yeah. it's tremendous out there. Humble. Pipe hitting motherfuckers yeah. when you think about it, okay? And they're passionate about one thing, and that's doing the job for them. Okay, Absolutely. not them, the individual, but them, the people we serve, you know? And I, I don't fully understand the concepts of Smoke Diver because I was never able to get into the program because it was gone for a long time through the bulk of my career, right? Mm -hmm. And so now at 43, it's like, do I, do I not? I don't know. It's, it, it's a fascinating concept. But the one thing I've learned from this new version, this next generation of Smoke Divers is... Like you said, it's not about the pass or fail. Everybody puts in the effort. As long as you try, okay, you come away with something at the end of the day, and you're still better for it at the end of the day because the failure is not the end. It's just the opportunity to succeed. So the attrition rate, though, is high in smoke divers. Yeah, yeah. Um, just the thought about wanting to go, I think, makes you, uh, makes you a little fucked up, but also a, a better fireman. You yeah. start... Um, a lot of people I've talked to that have reached out for me for advice on what can I do to better myself to go through this program. Uh -huh. And, you know, a lot of people don't understand it. It's a big dick contest to everybody. Well, common misconception. You go in there and all you do is beat yourself to death and you don't learn anything at the end of the day other than, <laughs> hey, I can drag a bottle down to nothing and, and choke inside of a building and get myself out. But that's beyond that. It's so much more than that. There's so many components to this program that make you a better firefighter and that's that's what i said i i said it to a guy recently that was uh, training to go to the program and i go pass or fail you're already better for what you're doing now look mm -hmm. at all this training you're doing you started off alone now you're posting videos of 10 other guys working out with you you're mm -hmm. already making your department better and you haven't even gone through the class yet so look at those positive things you've already done and you haven't even gone through the class you're yeah. already making yourself these guys this department better just by training um, you you know. talked about your experience going through smoke divers. <laughs> and, you know, what you thought you would have learned from the first one and, and how you lived on fruit snacks for the first three days. Well, Talk about that. It was so I, I passed the entry exam. My other guys, and it's nothing against them, they're tremendous firemen. Um, I just got the luck of the trial by passing the entry exam i go back to my room i'm the only one left from the guys i'd come up with from the land yeah. and i knew nothing i'd never been in the burn building never been in the tower i didn't know anything about the place i was like all right well here we go mm -hmm. i was so nervous that i couldn't stop puking every day 
Um, I, I was so nervous that I couldn't eat, and the only thing I could keep down was just uh, fruit snacks. <laughs> so I, I think through the first first three days, I lost uh, just about 12 pounds eating fruit snacks, and I remember Chad Belger saying, Nate, can you stop vomiting by my car? Or <laughs> Deland, stop vomiting by my car. Because you were known as Deland. You yeah, yeah, I didn't have a, my name on my code or anything like that. You were the relatively obscure one inside of the class. There was nothing obscure about it. It was just like bets on what part I was going to fail at every single you. day. It was I got just you. like, there was like, let's see what uh, Deland's going to fuck up today. Nice. So, nice. Um, but yeah, I ended up making a. With these guys, everyone, everyone I went through with either worked uh, worked out there, had trained out there, taught out there, anything like that. So yeah. they knew these training grounds like the back of their hand, and uh-huh. I didn't know anything about it. So going into it blindly, but we were getting our ass kicked so much, uh, you know, with with uh, training and and developing that stress inoculation that uh, I was like just one day at a time, one day at a time. Yeah, and I started, started going, hell, just make it lunch, just make. It. Then it was. Fuck, I just want to make it through like the next <laughs> evolution. And uh, I think it was uh, Taj Jodwin from uh, uh, Marion County was the one that uh, he made me laugh. He's like, fuck, man, I'm just I'm just ready to get through the next one and, you know, keep going. So, you know, I'll, I'll, we're, we're all hurting. I'm going to quote Scott Chapel: Every evolution, when he would come out of the building or come come complete the evolution, no matter what, he always had a smile on his face. <laughs> Okay. Well, Scott's a sick fuck. I mean, well, I mean, no. <laughs> look, look, I, you know, call it what you will, but the motherfucker said you came out with a smile on your face, and that right there, I think that was the breaking point where you realized it was evolution for evolution, one step at a time, and you realized once you had those small successes, you could push forward and keep going, and that's where the resiliency comes in, is it not? I don't know if there's really a smile. It's just that that look on my face. I, I like I say, I went in the black for about six days and okay. came out, and they say, here's your patch, and yeah. I was like, oh, shit, thank yeah. God. I passed. What the fuck? But, you know, it, it was a hell of a week. Again, I kept vomiting. Uh, we did the 9-11 stair climb one day, and I just remember on one of the rounds, um, I had to puke, so I puked in my mask mm-hmm. and went for about another round. And I got up to the top and I, I looked at one of the instructors. I'm not sure who it was. Um, I said, "Hey, can I puke over in the corner?" Yeah. So I pulled my mask off, dumped out puke, and puked a little bit more, and just kept kind of going. <laughs> you couldn't stop. And no, I, I don't even know where what I was puking up. You know, it, it, I didn't have anything in my stomach to. Um, but yeah, I kept, kept moving toward the last day and, uh, you know, finally made it through. It took me three times going through the burn building. I about died, I think. And, uh, and, and that's what everyone says, that big dick contest. And it really wasn't. It yeah. was a really big turning point in my career is it's not what did you learn in class. It, like, we're not going to teach you your basic fireman stuff. I took so much away from that class there was 10 people that graduated with me and i think 10 guys brought so many different things away yeah. from that class about themselves and just the way the instructor cadre really presented themselves out there mm-hmm. and um that's what i wanted to be like and i took that mental toughness away that non-stop i, I broke through all sorts of barriers that i had put up for myself and got comfortable being uncomfortable yeah and that that was that was really it and I've, 
I see how these guys, I think a majority of them have been firefighter of the year uh, multiple times. Just the expectations and standards they have on themselves. It's like, I don't want to let these guys down now yeah. too. So that's, yeah. I, I bring that back and, uh, you know, that, that program was a, a life changer, the brotherhood and everything that I have, I, I know I can reach out to those guys and, and get honest feedback from them. And there are so. four programs right now concurrently, uh, well, it, together inside of the, the confines of the Continental 48, right? So you've got Florida, Georgia, Oklahoma just came back, started number one again, and yeah, currently Indiana. In the, the fir, um, so Indiana has... Uh, Six, I think. They've had a few uh, classes go on. I know Oklahoma, I, I think I mentioned before, my, yeah, my best friend Julian, he's up there right now doing uh, Oklahoma number yeah, one. Yeah. And I believe all those classes are, are mirrored programs of Georgia's. Yes. Which is, a, I mean, again, a phenomenal program. Absolutely. Uh, Florida's a little bit different. And whether you're Florida, Georgia, Oklahoma, anything like that, uh, as long as we're getting the right message out yes. about what our purpose is, yep. you know, I don't think you can trash any other program. No, and it's not so, about trashing. I was uh, Oklahoma. I'm sorry, Indiana has been uh, uh, broadcasting on Instagram throughout the week, right? So they'll go live mm -hmm. at different points of the program. And one of the instructors, and, and somehow we connected uh, on Instagram through my site, and I was watching it, and, and he said something to me that made perfect sense this morning. He said, do you see these guys? They're day three. They've had the shit beat out of them over the last two days. But what do you see today that you didn't see day one or day two? One, they have the push. Two, they're not griping. Three, now they realized how far they can go. And four, they're exceeding those expectations, maintaining a positive attitude, and they're gonna keep pushing because these are the ones that are gonna succeed at the end of the day statistically. Yeah, absolutely. Would you say that says a lot about the program itself overall, that it's not about failing you, it's about making it's, it better? Absolutely. There's the takeaways you get from the program are, are going to just benefit you much more in your career. And the way, um, again, with the Georgia program, the, the way those guys develop that push, yeah. you know, there's, there's that straight ass kicking and, but there's always that underlying message a little bit that kind of pushed you to be a little bit better. And, um, I, I think all the programs have that really. Uh -huh. Um, but same thing is like, you can see that tone kind of change where it's yeah. just like, yeah, you know, you, you want to succeed. You want to show up each day and kind of get your ass kicked a little bit, but you want to be there. And, um, you know, it's like we, I can't remember which instructor from Florida said it, and we, we get a lot of shit from our, you know, the people that have never been through it, but, oh, it's just CrossFit, it's just this, it's not. It's, it's so much more than that. And one of the biggest things is one of the leads in our class, we don't want to see anyone fail. If we have 35 people show up, we want 35 people to pass this class. But statistically, it, it drops significantly. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And you had 10 in your graduating class. Mm -hmm. How many? I'm not sure how many showed up that first day. I mean, I think we all stay pretty, um, it stays pretty close to anywhere from like 28 to 30. Yeah. Uh, maybe a few more here and there. But the, the pass rate is we had 10 in my class, I think eight the next year. We've had a couple years with uh, four. Okay. I think we had two one year. Um, e either way, you know, it's 
Well, and, and I'm going to compare it to a little bit of the military side of things because even though we're a paramilitary organization, the fire service itself, but you look at, and, and I said this earlier, you compared it to like BUDS, right? You know, the, the few people I know that have mm -hmm. come through BUDS, become SEALs, have actually gone out, you know, worked in the teams and actually came back and now they're educators and they do so much in the community uh, to help build uh, people into warriors in a sense and you talk to them and the messaging is all the same we don't put you in here to fail we put you in here to succeed but we want to push you to your limit we want to see how far you can go and there's no good day every day sucks no matter what and then they say <laughs> the same thing about the only easy day was yesterday and as you look at the progress of the program it seems like the only easy day was yesterday because it gets progressively stronger and more intense as you take the practical applications that they taught you in those first several days and then they put you into the scenario process and then they really put your feet to the fire. And you have to admire a program like that for what it does in that mental aspect, the resilience that develops. And, and it's not about being the best firefighter. It's not about being the best hose dragger or the ego. Egos don't exist in this process. It's all about pushing yourself that much further. And we talked about this a little bit as well. When you're ready to push, that's where lives are safe because you know you can do it. You can accomplish it. Just like our brother in, in, in Atlanta who faced a four-day rip for simply fucking doing his job. How dare that department punish a human being such as that man for going in and risking his life? We face danger every day. Okay, we have to understand limitations, but at the same time, we also know that we have one opportunity sometimes to get in that door and make that save. And he did just that. He rose to the occasion. Doesn't matter the outcome afterwards. That victim had a chance because of him. Mm -hmm. And that's what scares me. That mentality seems to be failing us in the fire service sometimes, if not sometimes, a lot of times lately. Yeah, I mean, this what we have to promote. Not everyone's going to buy into what no, you promote. So no, no. You know, that, that's the hard part is, is trying to sell something that people are going to buy into. And that's, that's what I like to do, especially with our department. So. Yeah, and here you are now instructing. You know, you've had the chance to travel across the state, have you not? Yeah. Okay, yeah. you teach at the Orlando Fire Conference, which is a big event that occurs every year. You draw instructors in from all over the nation. And you shared some really great stories about the people you were able to interact with. Studs, guys that have been doing this 30, 40 years that you actually have researched, read about, learned from, and now you're sitting next to them, breaking bread, having dinner, and you realize something. What did you realize about these guys? They're just, they're just like uh, any one of us. Yeah. You know, they're, they're just extremely humble guys. They're a little fucked up on the outside too. And it's, uh, yeah, man, it's, it's been a real... Uh, real treat uh, being able to travel and teach and yeah. intermingle with these guys and uh, yeah that's that's one of the best things I, I love about this job is being able to go and meet and see how different people do it in different areas of the country so it's uh, so what was the Ray McCormick story the TGIF <laughs> story I, I remember uh, yeah this is about a couple years ago yeah um, I'll start off um, we I started teaching out at Orlando with uh, a lot of the guys I actually went through the Georgia Smoked Out sure. program with sure. past. A um, uh, bunch of Orlando guys, mm -hmm. uh, Chief uh, Creed McClellan, uh, Jeremy Rubottom, Julian Pompey, Danny Sanchez, all those guys. Uh, Dane. Okay, Dane so, Wilson, one of my one of my guys, yeah, and, uh, someone I admire. Ben Cranick up in uh, Manitowoc, up in, uh, oh yeah, sure. Oh, hello so, Canada, yeah. how you doing, eh? So, yeah. Uh, you know, I started teaching with those guys, uh -huh. and 
developing these programs, everything like that. Uh, I know our ACES program got cut for uh, a year. Mm -hmm. We came back this year with another new program. But uh, for a couple of years, I was teaching RIT with mm -hmm. uh, Basil Ibrahim, Matt McGee, and those guys. Another heavy hitter. Yeah. All of them, yeah. So he, he's helped me a lot in my, my uh, teaching. Basil uh, just did Flames, did he not? Up yeah, in Georgia? Yeah. yeah, he did. So very, another, again, another very good program. Hell yeah. He's actually the one that uh, he's done some good for my teaching where I'm a little bit more reserved. I don't like to, I, I always have that mentality of like, well, who the fuck am I to give these people this thing? And I remember when I first started teaching RIP with him, he called me and he's like, don't take offense to this. I was like, okay, great, here we go. It's coming. And, and he basically pull, pulled me out of my shell when it came to me. He's like, I'm gonna need you to be more vocal. I need you to step up. Dude. And he, he didn't, it quite so eloquently, but uh, well, it's okay. I, he, uh, Basil's a very passionate person, no and, and he's bust, done, yeah. uh, you know, hanging out with those guys and teaching that stuff too. They've done more for my my teaching than uh, I can ever thank them for. Yeah. And, but um, I think I was teaching RIT, and again, I like a I like my beer, I like my Miller Lite. I'm sitting down at the bar at TGI Fridays at the Host Hotel about two years ago, and I'd been going to the Orlando Fire Conference since I. I got in the fire service. I think um, my first first year I went was uh, 2008. Uh, I remember seeing Ray McCormick talk, uh, Mike Champo, uh, uh, Timmy Clett, all, all these guys talking. I was like, man, I was so in awe of these guys. They they were like that star athlete that you can see in the fire service. And um, <laughs> so I was sitting there at TGI Fridays at the host hotel, and I'm just. Hanging out, Ray McCormick's sitting there, and we end up sitting next to each other and talking. We're about the only ones in the bar. Yeah. And we end up sitting there for about almost two hours just bullshitting about anything and everything. And it kind of finally dawns on me as I'm walking back up to my hotel. I'm just like, I'm sitting there with a guy that I, I read his articles. I, I still have Fighting Fire from the Unburned Side um, you know, saved in my locker at work right yeah. under my, my Andy Fredericks book. Yeah. And it wasn't even when we were talking shop. There was just so much different shit we were talking about. And I'm sitting there with a fucking legend like Ray McCormick. I go, 10 years ago, I was the guy signing a last chance agreement with my city. And now I'm sitting here with a, a legend from the FDNY just bullshitting. And I, I thought I took so much away from that. So You know, and, and that's the thing. That's where humility comes in. You realize... You don't have to be an egotistical prick to be the best. All you have to do is appreciate the craft, what you do. Be humble. Learn. Don't be afraid to ask questions. Don't be afraid to step up. Even as a leader, I still fall short of the knowledge bin. Okay, And I'm going to be honest with you. I have resources that I have to tap into because I'm not the smartest guy in the world. Passion, though. Attitude. A drive. Something that makes me want to go to work every third day and be good. Okay, I may never be as good as some, but I will certainly do my best every day. And I think that's where the turning point in leadership comes in. So when you get that bugle pinned on your collar, are you better or can you be worse? And so I'm sure sitting in the back seat for almost 12 years of your career before you got promoted to driver, you saw diversity in leadership, did you not? Absolutely. So yeah. what do it's, you... Go everybody's go got different leaderships. Absolutely. So. so did you learn as much from the good as much from the bad? Yeah, oh, I, yeah. I mean, it, you you have to be 
open to the bad side as well. You know? Yeah. So you can take take stuff away from that. But, so um, where you're at now, and you just got promoted the driver. Mm-hmm. Okay. What are your goals for the next two to three years? What do you want to accomplish? Uh, I mean, it's yeah. I, obviously, I want to be a good driver. Okay. I, I in this like we talked about earlier, I I see so many departments that are just pushing people to move up quick. Okay. You know. Yep. You got two years on, you got promoted, and everything like that. And I, I've been pissed off at the world because I, I, I fail every test. I, I, I cheat just to fail. You know, it's just, <laughs> it's, um, but, you know, I, I want to be a good driver. Just like I, I kind of learned after I, uh, I got promoted after so long was, you know, I, I, I'm so thankful that I was, I wasn't pushed to promote quick. I'm thankful that I didn't get promoted quick. And I was able to be a really good backwards fireman for for so long, and now I want to roll with that mentality into the driver's position. And as much as I don't want to drive, yeah. it's it's that necessary step. To, all right, what can I do to be better as a driver? Yep. And um, yep. you know, approach every day with that that open mind, uh, new things of what we can do better as you know as a driver. But and see two departments almost 17 years to the day and it's funny i got promoted the day the same day i got hired in lake county in 2017. (laughs) i had already 17 years in the field and and i wonder it's like well most guys in boston go 20 before they even see lieutenant you know fdny they go you know 15 20 25 years if they stay and then you have departments that have no choice but to promote up early because they have people that's a revolving door you know they have to take the, the, the next available body and and what concerns me are we preparing the leaders of tomorrow properly and what can we do better because if you're thrust in that position of leadership I feel it's all of our responsibility to help develop and mentor them which is why we have these conferences like the Orlando Fire Conference and we have various other ones across the country that teach these values of leadership so where do you think we can do better as mentors and where we can do better as leaders you know, you're only as good as the product your department's putting out. Okay. And, uh, you know, one of the big things I, I take from Deland is, again, I, I got so many good guys I work with, and I take ideas from them all the time, whether they know it or not. Um, create the culture you want to see in your department, I guess. So I've been given the chance to redevelop our whole orientation mm-hmm. and probing process and mm-hmm. everything like that. And it's almost just like, I, I want to promote that fire culture that has made me the fireman I am today. And by talking to Ray McCormick's and Mike Champos and everybody else that are just heavy hitters in the fire service, I want these guys to buy into what we're promoting. If you don't go in thinking your department is the best fucking department, you know, you're not really selling a, a good product. Yeah. I want these guys to come into the land and buy into what the fuck we're doing without thinking of it. Like, where's my next move? I want, what are we selling them that's not going to have them jump ship to Orlando or anything mm-hmm. like that? You know, that that's where it is. It's like, let's show these guys how to be firemen and let's put them in gear. Let's, let's stress them out. Let's, do fireman shit, I yeah. guess I should say. No, that's exactly what and, you should say. You know, that, that's just what I like to do. I, I'm not sure what, um, I'm not preparing them 
obviously for like a promotional process, but hopefully they're buying into wanting to be better. And, you know, one of the biggest things I promote is be open-minded, be innovative. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, every tool you see on the truck was once a a thought by a fireman or saw something. Sure. Um, You know, how can you make the fire service better? I get (laughs) made fun of. I, I create the dumbest shit out there in the bay. I sit at this table, you know, I, I remember for MVAs, I made this little fanny pack and shit, and I had all my tools in it. And uh, man, right, right when my good buddy Justin DC, my battalion, yeah, I just got a rash of shit from him. It was like, what are you right, doing? I, I'm not, I'm not wearing this goddamn. <laughs> <laughs> so, so some of, some of them are more embarrassing than others. Yeah, but um, you know, it's honestly, it's just promoting a culture that you want to see in the fire service leave it better than you found it amen and you know have have fun while you're doing it and don't be afraid to fuck up or fail and that's how we kind of learn um but you know there's also those guys out there that are being thrust in this situation yes and you know i talk to them too and it's like you know what and these are guys with good heads on their shoulders and they don't get the opportunity to ride backwards for so long like i did but you gotta have that mentality of like, hey, if I don't move up, then this asshole is gonna move up. Yes. And I'm a lot better off than him. So you gotta kinda approach it with that mentality if you're thinking, um, or if that's what your department's doing. Yeah. So, you know, be prepared one way or the other. You know, not every department's the same. So. Well, you know, 49 minutes, and I said we'd go over 30, and that seems to be the standard. And Nate, I wanna tell you something. It's uh, <laughs> this last, 49 minutes have been awesome sitting here listening to (laughs) your perspectives and thoughts and how we're all a bunch of fucking hooligans in the fire service. But you know what? Even when we fail, we have the ability to rise. We have the ability to change. And we know that people invested in us to be better. Whether you become a smoke diver or an officer, whether you decide to be a backseat fireman, just be the best fucking person you can be. And I think that's what resonates with me with you today. And whatever you do from this point forward, it's going to continue developing the next generation of firefighters, making them better, pushing them to succeed. And that way, you have left it better than you found it. So Nate, I want to thank you. Any closing perspectives? (laughs) Uh, Just go in, uh, set expectations for yourself. If we don't have expectations, then we're going to think, you know, the, the bottom barrel is good enough, you know. Set expectations for yourself and standards for yourself every single day. Wise words, brother. So as always, I want to thank my guest first and foremost, Nate Carms. Thank you for coming on the show today. Appreciate I know it. you've taught and you will teach a lot more people the value of this service, the pride and tradition that exists, and the culture that you're creating in the land. So with that, all of you take care of each other. Keep your head on a swivel. Remember, you are your brother. You are your sister's keeper. And don't be afraid to push forward, be bold, be brave, and be empowered. Take care. We'll see you on the next You just survived 30 minutes of online training with the Can Man Radio Show. Did you remember to train your probie today? The Can Man knows. He knows everything. When that 2 a.m. lift assist drops, the Can Man will be thinking of you in his dreams.